Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner. I have the most amazing freaking show to bring you this week. Uh, got some great co-hosts. To my left here is my longtime friend, Chaz Knight, radio uh, host, announcer, loudmouth, wild man, <laughs> lead singer of uh, Red Leather, your favorite party band in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and all over Texas, Chaz Finally, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, brother. I'm Good glad to be you're here. here, man. Glad that you're here. To my right, Van Halen historian, lifelong, lifelong fan of Van Halen, uh, is joining us here with his infinite amounts of knowledge and experience, Steve Emerson. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I love Woo. it. Glad you guys are here, man. And the reason why <laughs> I brought, I have armed myself with two of the most knowledgeable and fanatical Van Halen fans, besides myself, of course, uh, to the program, is because our guest this week is none other than the legendary manager for Van Halen, Noel Monk. Amazing. Boom. It, is it crazy to you guys to think that there was a fifth person that was there for the entire original run? Of, uh, of like a fly on the wall. I yeah. mean, I mean, wouldn't that be great to be him? Yes, amazing. But isn't that amazing though that there was somebody else besides those? Because you don't think about that. Those four guys that was there for every day of that original run. Isn't that amazing? It was right. like a, it had to be like a, a very unique and dysfunctional family. Yeah, it was the most awesome family ever, and it had the coolest stories. Seen, right? <laughs> Again, Noel's written a book called "Running with the Devil." It's called a backstage pass of the wild times, the loud rock, and the down and dirty truth behind the making of Van Halen. After all this time, and we were talking about this a little before, before we went on, why is this one of the most undocumented stories in the history of rock and roll, Chaz? You know that's strange that they're not documented more or have more, like Steve was saying, live performance live videos i mean you have to look for them you have to search for that stuff and it's very hard to find and i mean of course steve knows i mean you have to really look and search to find that stuff it's like hunting for uh, unicorns i know a lot of people have some rare stuff but case in point three videos on mtv in 81 from fair warning right 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 um hear about it later so this is love yeah. and, and uh, from largo maryland of course the uh, the unreleased no it's uh, it's actually oakland oh the, the oakland, oakland. Yeah, oakland yeah, from did. fair warning That's right, right. right those right, were the right. original three and those are beautifully pro shot. So, you know, you know that there's, a, there's other footage out for there. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I've always heard the, the, the kind of lame duck excuse that, you know, that for as much as we, of course, love the, you know, the legendary David Lee Roth, uh, that his, of course, vocally uh, in a live setting, he was more about the party and less about the performance. Sure. And it would never really kind of was up to stump a little bit. But I've always found that to be kind of lame because you're not, you're not there. Or anybody that would buy a Van Halen live video or album isn't there to hear him sing operatic. You know what I mean? Like they want to see they, they want to see the power. Of yeah, it. but I've heard a lot of live stuff, and he sounded good. He yeah. sounded good for a lot of well, it. Well, here's what he does: uh, he phrases a lot, and and that's cool for for what he does. Like you nailed it. It's not an opera. Yeah, and he also <laughs> um, you know kind of adlibs the words along the way, and I think that's more to his appeal. Yeah, well, it's for, the scream, the scream. Oh, yeah. All you need is the scream. Yeah, yeah, but who else do you know that could forget the words and get a louder response as if he had gotten the words correctly? Well, that's the power of Rod. It's yeah. because of his persona and yeah. the mystery of it. That's, that's right. right, and and he sells it in a way that transcends any sort of 
hitting the right note at the right time, for sure. No doubt. So I wanted to, Chaz, I wanted to ask you, as long as you and I have been friends for over 20 years. Long time. And one of the things that we bonded over, of course, was Van Halen. And and, and so too. so Van Halen has become a, 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 a running theme between... The soundtrack to our lives. Totally, right. between you and I. And one thing that... Uh, so what was, what was your first just piece of or interaction with Van Halen when you were exposed to it? Van Halen won. My uh, babysitter uh, was growing up in Colorado. My babysitter had actually got the album. And uh, I looked, you know, wow, what's this? What year was this? Man, this is 78. Okay. Yeah, and I was in grade school. So I wasn't even into music yet. I mean, Kiss was the big thing. Sure. Right. And when you're a kid, you're in fifth grade, fourth grade, and Kiss is like everything. So you yeah. saw it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Obviously, Kiss was everywhere. I mean, they had dolls and games. I mean, they, they, they were they were the right demographic in fifth grade as sure. a boy in 78. Oh, man. Been, yeah. I still am. Yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. But my babysitter was, I guess she was in her 20s or something, and she had a pretty good album collection, and she had this Van Halen. They had just come out. And she pulled it out, and I was just sitting there, and you know, she grabbed the bong and lit up and put it on the turntable and played it. And I, was, I was just standing while, the, while it was playing. I'm just staring at that back cover because you cover know, with Eddie Holden, the, the classic oh, pictures yeah. on that back cover with David Lee all stretched yeah, out, bent over backwards, yeah. man. And, yeah, and the way the photographs were were shot is like Eddie. The red was like it, it was a great way to shoot photographs. Oh, yeah. Michael Anthony's bass, and then the the green like lights coming off of it. Oh yeah. Now, so I just was memorized. We, we didn't have MTV. We didn't have yeah, your imagination. Yeah, sure. yeah, it was told. That's the way it was in the day. So just staring at that album and listening to it, and that was my first experience. So, it, so was it the visual? You think because it sounded the way that it looked? It was a combination because you know no, no one had done that. I mean, sure there was Kiss, and sure there was you know these other bands, the Beatles, and I know Blue Oyster Cult, and you know corporate rock was huge. But, but whatever, right. whatever would get but, that gu- to, right. but that guitar work, you know, you you were hearing this like electrified guitar, you know, like. It was like Hendrix on steroids, right, you know, right, right. and then David Lee Roth with the way he was singing. And then, yeah, the visually. Streets. And then you're yeah. looking at that album. And you're thinking, man, these guys are like, it, it was just something. You know, it, was, it was a combination of everything. that just swept you up in that. And, that's what did and that me. was the momentum that they've carried forth ever since. Steve, what, what, what about you? Okay, so mine's uh, very similar. And I agree. Um, mine's a little different in the fact that mine was a cassette. And I, I got the cassette at Record Bar in Oklahoma City. It was Diver Down. It was okay. 1983, I think. Okay. So I've been out a little bit. And That I, was your first? That's my first one. Yeah. Wow, yeah, really? really. Yeah. So so in the cassette, in the fold, there's there's a few pictures. Right. Not as cool as the first album, but one of them was that famous shot where they're on stage. Yeah. Oh, right. Sure. Oh, and I'm like, shot. who is this? Yeah. You know, and so I started reading up on just way before the internet, you know, and um, Hit Parader, Circus, Cream, those magazines. We used to run to the convenience store. Oh, yeah. like, I mean, how I, fun was that? Right? I scarfed them all up. Still right. have them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I listened to that, became an instant addict. Um, and that's carried on to this day. And immediately uh, got my mom to give me a whole bunch of chores so I could go earn enough money to buy Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, Women and Children First, and Fair Warning. Yeah. Now, did, so did either of you guys... You guys, none of y'all ever saw, of course, Van Halen during the original run from 78 to 85. That's correct. Because we, and Chaz, I know this between you and I, and what was so great, Steve, what we learned uh, as well, is that all three of us, our (laughs) very first concert, not first just Taste of Van Halen, but our first concert 
was David Lee Roth's <laughs> Eat 'em and Smile tour in 1986. What an amazing, amazing yeah. thing! Uh, I mean, that bonds us right there. That's kind of weird, isn't it? it yeah, but but yeah. to them, it's perfect because we're the, we're the right demographic for it. Right? Cool, cool, quick, sad ad lib. Yeah. Um, my parents got divorced, and before before they and they well, moved away, well, which means I had to move away too, right? Sure, sure. And I had secured uh, four tickets. And they were in the first five rows for Van Halen at the Myriad in Oklahoma City um, for the 84 tour. Parents got divorced, totally uh, oh, screwed the whole God. thing up, so oh, I didn't gosh. get to see that. Yeah, I was this close, too. Me, too. I almost got to see him on that 1984 tour, but for whatever reason... Well, here, here's an interesting fact, specific geographically, I'm sure Steve, you probably know this, too, is that the last, and I talk about this uh, with the interview with Noel as well, is that the last American... Not because the last one, of course, was in, was in Sweden, but the last American performance of Van Halen with David Lee Roth during the original run was a three-night stand here in Dallas. That's great at the Reunion Arena. Now, here's something else that's interesting about that too: was that, of course, is that they would have done Texas Stadium, but the Jacksons, with Michael Jackson, was doing their victory tour. At two nights, imagine that, two nights at Texas Stadium. Now, here's the only time where the Victory Tour crossed paths with the 1984 Tour. So on, on night two of, excuse me, of the Van Halen Tour, crossed over with night one of, of the Victory Tour. And so he came over, Eddie came over earlier that day and performed it is the only public performance oh, yeah, cool. of him performing that him. Here's a quick other little thing. Anybody who knows me also, besides Van Halen, who knows me, of course, knows that I'm a I'm fanatical about Prince. And it's never been totally substantiated, but Prince was out before he launched the Purple Rain Tour, which also had its New Year's Eve date here, by the way, yeah. in Dallas. Uh, was scouting it out, and he flew in to Dallas for that gig, and he was watching it out in the audience in really? What What a day for Eddie, Prince, and Michael Jackson. All in the same the only, spot. The only time it would have ever happened, it happened right here in Dallas. So. Perfect storm of talent. If you're just if you've just joined us, we're talking about running with the devil. It's Noel Monk, the legendary manager uh, for Van Halen. I've got two uh, uh, great Van Halen historians and great friends with me here today. I'm armed with them because we're part of the, the Van Halen army, the the, 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 Roth, <laughs> the Roth army there. Uh, so, uh, Chaz, what was what was your you know we talked a, a while ago about how just what an undocumented. Uh, thing. What I mean, this thing has has been shrouded in mystery. Even the interviews are so innocuous, and and is talking to him as David Lee Roth is. He always likes to talk in a very kind of a fun little code thing to kind of keep our catch right. Sure, <laughs> and uh, and that's either uh, on purpose or not. Who knows? But uh, but what was what was your take from the book? <clears throat> well, I mean, awesome that he actually documented it finally. Right, and for all this time. Right. Yeah, because if you're a fan of music, and and a, and a lot of these bands are doing books, and a lot of musicians are doing books, but um, you know, something like this has never been done with Van Halen. There's been other books, but this is a guy that's from the inside. Right. The guy that toured, you that's know, right. and was not only their tour manager, but then became their personal manager. That's right. 
and uh, and and just exposes a lot of the stuff. You know, as, as you've grown up with Van Halen, you you always wonder: Are some of those stories true? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, did that really happen? Right. You know, because they didn't do a lot of documentation on it. You didn't get a lot any. of news stories. Of course, you, of course, you believed it too. All well, you had yeah. to do is look at one magazine. You know, issue. yeah, and it was just it was like because there was no internet. <laughs> right. Because it was it was a time where you just didn't get a lot of that's right of documentation. That's right. That's right. And so to finally have someone that was inside. Write about it. Tell the stories. And you go, oh, okay, that did happen. That didn't happen. You know, what that's was right. the truth behind that? That's that's amazing. And, and it's and it's finally here on the pages. Steve, what, what about you? Well, kind of on the same line as as Chaz. Um, you know, what this book really brings along is it kind of sets the record straight on uh, the most unique perspective of it, unless you're one of the four. Right. It would have to right. be uh, Mr. Monk, you know. Noel was there for, for all of it. Um, I mean, there was a fifth guy. You forget that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. you know, and Noel was there. And then keep in mind, like, Eddie may not have been there for every day that they were right. but he had to talk to these four guys every day. Every day. He's the only one that did it. And think about this also. Think about what an amazing life. And, uh, you know, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but he toured with the Sex Pistols. Oh, yeah. uh, was the only part of the American tour. It was Noel's first book called, you know, 12 Days with the Sex Pistols. He, you know, he hung out, he worked for Bill Graham. He he saw Hendrix do the Nash, the, the Nash. Star-Spangled Banner at Woodstock. He did shots, he would hang out with Janis Joplin, he hung out with Bill Graham. I mean, this is, what an amazing life that this person, so he was already had a pedigree, I mean, because it was sure. ready for, but he was there from Day one. One thing that you'll that you'll see without giving too much away in the book is that the book starts with that first day because this is. I ask you about your first impression of Van Halen because you get to hear his first one, and it's a great story about how they're even like their car broke down and they were and, and it seemed like David Lee was leading the charge even though it's you know the, and it was even his idea to call the band Van Halen, and they were running late and Noel's sitting there and they come into the diner and and he's like and David's like. I'm sorry, sir, that we are late, but we are, we are van, you know, this is us and this is what's happening. <laughs> he is improper. And just, quiet. you know, and he was just, you know, kind of reminiscing about how, you know, you cherish that time because you know how, how long did that last before that became. Yeah. Uh, innocent times. Uh, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. I'm sure not long. <laughs> Two minutes. So, <laughs> All right. But, but you know, we got right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. After that first show, really. It was like, the first show. Yeah. After they, over. after they blew what journey was journey, right? Yeah. Right. Right. But, but, but first time in Chicago was, uh, was journey. And it's, you know, I think, I, I want to say, was it Kansas? I think it was, might've been Kansas. I've got the, uh, um, original backstage pass. I have to look at it. And so, after they just blew them off the stage, he was kind of like, look at all the people in here tonight. <laughs> That's right. So, okay, so there were things, of course, that he substantiated. And, again, we don't need to rehash all this stuff. People, you know, that's the part that has been overly documented, right? Yeah, sure. So what we want to do is kind of fill in the blanks here. Um as you can see to our people watching on uh, Tricky Kid TV, whatever, of course, we have the, the, the picture book that the great Neil uh, Zaller uh, wrote, and of course, Noel's book. Uh, my friend Greg Rinoff uh, is a great, he's actually put a, a very academic spin uh, on things. We've had him on the show. You guys ought to try to check out his episode. Uh, Greg Rinoff wrote a great book called Van Halen Rising. It's a great and it's actually up to the point 
before they get signed. It's that whole undock, even further undock. It's like yeah. all those As people, you're right. Yeah. They were at those parties, take parties. Yeah. Like, were they? Did they have to sign an, a, a non-disclosure <laughs> degree? Because why haven't any of those people written books? <laughs> it took a professor. It took a professor from Tulsa. Yeah, yeah it is. to yeah. really end. But the book is absolutely killer. Um, but what, Chaz? Out of all those legends and that time that w- when you think about being young and you think about Van Halen and and why uh, we love Van Halen so much, what what is some of your your stuff from that time that you think about? Like what is what is like that knee jerk memory that that you that you enjoy when you think about it? David Lee Roth getting arrested. Oh, in, the, mean, in the towel, in the towel, uh, in the towel. Like yeah, the that video. video and he, yeah, yeah, and he's, yeah. And like, like he's so drunk that you know they're having. <laughs> yeah, he's like, are carrying him. Yeah, he's like, whoa, what did I do? You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just that kind of image. You know, the music. Can was, I bring my Jack Daniels with me? Yeah, Michael <laughs> Anthony playing a Jack Daniels bass, yeah. but you know, the the musicianship was so incredible, and and David Lee Roth is such a showman. You know. Yes. Whether it be you know singing whatever screaming, I mean he he did it better than anybody. He became Diamond Dave, you know, right? Right. Because yeah. he was the showman. But man, I, you know, I think about the image and I think about the musicianship, and it, I just I was captivated from a very you know like I said from a very early, the first album staring at that through every album. I mean, you anticipated every album right. coming out. Oh, you yeah. couldn't wait for it to come out and, and listen to it for like. A week straight, so over and over. Lyrics, yeah, right, a yeah, yeah. Right. And then I picked up guitar, and you know, the only reason I really truly picked up guitar was because Eddie Van Halen, because I wanted to figure out what's he doing. Well, well, yeah, yeah, and that was the thing too. It was the thing you could really get air guitar to. He's like, is he's like, okay, it's like Neil, they're trying to air yeah, Neil Peart drumming. You're like, okay, Did people actually air guitar before Eddie Van Halen. Probably, yeah, right. I, I think uh, he might have invented air guitar because that. people had to yeah. because it, right. Right. Like, he's doing something like this. What is he right. doing there? Right. <laughs> And, and Steve, I'll, I'll, I'll throw the same question to you. For me, it was the really the dawn of MTV oh, yeah. and my exposure to it. You know, I mentioned the Diver Down thing earlier. Well, those videos from Oakland, there are three of them. So yeah. this is love. Hear about it later and Unchained. Holy cow, man. Right. Um, when he comes out and, he's, and he says, I got myself a brand new Oakland scar. And he talks to the crowd and everything. That goes back to the ad-libbing part. That's the special thing in the party persona. Their studio albums were immaculate, like you said, but then they brought that extra something uh, when you saw that. The party. It was an event. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a concert. You were, just, yeah, you were just waiting for David Lee Roth to bring this band to town. And it was just... The party. Were, no, it yeah. seemed like the, that tour was going to somehow annihilate the entire... The, the world. This yeah. is our innocence back then, because now it's kind of like, oh man, cool. But I really thought that when Van Halen was coming to town, that the the swath of destruction, <laughs> the path, that, like a tornado, just right? through, you can see. I, I literally like I like the you know like Kiss Army, like the Kiss Army, like as if it's kind of like what um, what his name uh, Chuck Klosterman says, like how like somehow there was like some type of opposition that's trying to keep us from listening to yeah. Kiss. Like the yeah. newsman says, uh, folks, tonight Van Halen's playing. You're going to want to lock up a little early tonight. Yeah, like right, right. You know, like it's lock dangerous. up your daughters and your wives. And, and like he says to the other person when he goes. <laughs> More people <laughs> have been arrested. <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to hear uh, what Noel talks about with about that, of course, disastrous Us Festival appearance. And speaking of of Noel, I can't wait for you guys to hear. We're about to bring you part one 
uh, of Noel's interview. I just wanted to answer my own question just for a second. My whole thing, of course, was for me when I think about it, I think about excuse me, I think about the MTV contest for yeah. the Lost Weekend. Absolutely. And the reason why that is for me, because could you literally imagine that happening now? There's no way it would happen. Zero chance. That's so to people that weren't young, young people or even alive. It would have been documented, right? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, right. Of course. But not just that. It's kind of like think about how silly and cartoonish that was, but also straight up. Now there is a picture. I mean, you guys will be able to see it at trickykid.com of me um, sitting at a table filling out postcards to enter <laughs> this contest. And I can't wait for you guys to hear what, what I told Noel this. And uh, he had a great anecdote about that. And it was my all-consuming thing. And the reason why I think about that, because I think about it, would have let me win. I was like 10 years old. Right? <laughs> right, right. But how fun. Remember, what, remember, remember the famous line? What was, what was David Lee Roth's famous line? Everybody's famous tonight, or uh, well, we we're all famous. No, at the end of the at the end of the trailer, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it on the Tricky Kid TV or whatever. He would he says, "Hey, baby, want to go for a ride in my limo?" Oh, I'm Remember about the concert, the last thing. Oh, right, right. I'm, talking, I'm sorry, but let me read yeah. uh, during the trailer for the Lost Weekend. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you actually have. I'm glad you mentioned that because. You actually know yeah. the, the winner. Kind of odd. So I was talking to Greg um, on um, one Greg of my Grinoff, yeah, Greg 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 Rising, Rising, right? Um, on one of my pages, and he he put a link up there for the last weekend. Of course, I zipped it right back to nineteen, you know, mid eighties, and and I also sent the postcards in, and you know, got for sure home from school each day that I went and got the mail and all that. Me, me too. Another sure. little tidbit. I think they said there were a million entrants. This, yeah. This day's standard. That's nothing. Right, if you could even pull it off. Right, um, but, but back then that's so yeah, so snail mail. Mouth. Right, yeah. So the 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 thing on on Kurt, his name's Kurt Jeffries. I'm I'm actually uh, know him on Facebook. The like, winner, uh, yeah, of, the winner, and he, the, that dude, the guy that got doused with a cake, the guy who lived yeah. our dream. Yes. Oh like, my God. Yes. Like, I know. Yes. Like oh. you just would want to die the next day. Like yeah. there's nothing else to accomplish in life. You just hung out with Van Halen all weekend. But, no, but, but yeah, in 1984, in their heyday, yeah. 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 when he goes, you, you have no idea where you are. You have no idea where you're going. You know, a limo's going to pick you up. You, and in that great Africa that goes, you and a friend are going to be going, to, you know, to the Lost Weekend with Van Halen. Like, like truck, what? like a big monster truck rally. But, place, yeah. but think about it. Think about that on your resume. I would put that on a resume. It's kind of like, what are some yeah. of your special skills? I won the MTV Lost Weekend. Yeah. I survived. <laughs> that would be at the top of the resume. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Highlight. Second thing, I was president once. Yeah. Right. That, that beats everything. Right, right. I mean, like, what else do you do, man? You uh -huh. know? So yeah. that was my that was my whole thing. So we do have we have some great proud proud sponsors that kind of keep the lights on running here. So and first and foremost, I want to talk about is we're doing coming to you live from the Quarter Lounge Arcade right here. I said right here uh, in Bedford, Texas, at fourteen twenty four. For all you retro gamers out there uh, that have been looking for a place that's the real deal, the real deal, pinball. Yeah, pinball. You enjoy that all pinball the original machines. Oh yeah, you. Yeah, Chaz, he might be the loudest <laughs> pinball player. And I promise Chaz won't annoy you if you guys come in. Um, 
<laughs> you might be the most active and loud, most vocal. Maybe uh, violent. I, I, violent. I channel David Lee Roth when I play That's pinball. Right. So, so, so folks out there that are listening and watching, he was just getting ready for this podcast. But uh, yeah. come on in, man. I mean, you guys can attest to it. The real deal out there, yeah. right? Okay. Right. It's, it's absolutely three bucks. Right back to 1981. No emulators. No. It's the real deal. Three bucks to get in. We even also, and then all the games are 25 cents. One thing we're proud of, nothing against all the barcades out there, but we're not a bar. We're not a casino. It's all ages all the time. Bring your family. Our most favorite thing in the world is when I get to see somebody our age bring their kid in. Yeah. And uh, and you and they, you can see them almost trying not to tear up. And, it's and, pure. And get, right. It's pure. That's right. That's right. And getting to show them... Uh, you know, and we also we have the old consoles and everything else. So come on down, check us out at the Quarter Lounge Arcade. Also, everybody's going back to school, and you probably need some maybe some new office furniture. Go on to trickykid.com. First of all, you'll be able to see way many more pictures. I've dug into some archives uh, of mine from all my years of, of seeing Van, uh, Van Halen throughout the years. Some uh, that I've saved just to do this that I've not shared before, either on Facebook or any other social media. Uh, cool. Some great stuff there. Uh, Noel has shared some great, great stuff with me uh, that's going to be exclusive to TrickyKid.com uh, that you guys are really, really going to enjoy. Uh, and also, but while you're there, whenever you visit it, and you, there's a link there for OfficeFurnitureToGo.com. Click on that link. If you buy anything, they throw a couple bucks our way. And it kind of keeps this show being able to, to bring it to you each and every single week totally for free. If you haven't subscribed, go on to uh, iTunes just, or the podcast app there. Type in Tricky Kid Radio Podcast and click subscribe. And a show like this will pop up each and every every Thursday. You Obviously, you can find us on the Twitters at, uh, at Tricky Kid, the number two. And on Facebook at Tricky Kid uh, radio podcast and Chaz, where can they find you on the interweb, sir? Ah, uh, I'm on the Twitter too. One loco Chaz, L O C O C H A Z, and then uh, also my band Red Leather, who was kind of fashioned, uh, kind of the pre Van Halen party days, right? Right. You know, that's the backyard kinda, party, the yeah. backyard party band. That's how we kind of view ourselves, and we rock Dallas Fort Worth and around. And, they, and you guys do rock. So if you never got to be with Van Halen in the, in the backyard party, come see Red Leather. That's right. We'll play some Van Halen. Oh yes, you will. And do you have any shows coming up? Yeah, yeah. So we're on Twitter, Red Leather Rocks, Facebook, Red Leather Rocks, uh, Instagram, Red Leather One. We do all the social media, but yeah, yeah we've got shows coming up. Uh, you know, we play Z Grill and Flower Bound. We play Gas Monkey September 1st. Come on. The big Gas Monkey show. We play in that new Lava Cantina in the Colony, which is a great venue. I don't know if you've been there yet. I, 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 I've, been, I've been wanting to go up there. Yeah. My, my DJ persona, DJ Tricky Kid, uh, is uh, probably going to be spinning some records up there you know, pretty soon. So we want to go to kind of get together, up there. Together, we do a rocking <laughs> DJ show. I love it. Come on. Come yeah. on. I love yeah, it. Yeah, Red Leather. Just look us up. Red Leather Rocks. Got it. Perfect. And uh, you can come to the shows and we'll backyard party rock it out like Van Halen. Totally. Yeah, and people yeah. always remember that Labor Day Van Halen weekend with the, with the, the, the Pinocchio-looking guy with the wooden mallet. That's yeah. right. September 1st. That's right. right. You're about to knock you over the head. Boom. <laughs> okay. And Mr. Emerson, where, where, where can they find you on the interweb? I really don't have anything to promote. Um, I'm certainly very active on, on Facebook and Instagram. Well, you have um, you have some groups that you're a part of as well. Would you like to would like to mention those? The Van Halen groups? Absolutely, um, member of several prominent Van Halen groups. Uh, one in particular is Van Halen Collectors. There's two of those. Uh, I'm on a member of both. One of them, it's only got 770 members, and that's not because it's weak. That's because it's so strong. Uh, the members are all very very serious collectors and got connoisseurs. It. I will attest his band Red Leather 
is outstanding. Oh, I, see, I will see attest to it too. Times. Yes. No, I, I will attest. This guy has the greatest collection <laughs> of Van Halen stuff. Ever. And for you guys watching it on Tricky Kid TV, whatever, we're actually going to bring you a tour. Is that right, Steve? Love to show it. Oh, it's okay. amazing. I mean, it's best collection ever. If I'm in a bad mood, I just walk in there and look at that. Yeah. If I'm going to watch the video, you're going to send me a, a, of you doing that. Oh, so it's that's, amazing. That's so cool. It's man. amazing. So, okay. So, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to bring you the song of the week. Uh, and I thought, since we're talking about in the, you know part one here, the very early days of Van Halen, uh, we're going to play you uh, Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, the great ZZ Top cover that maybe a lot of Van Halen fans may not have, have heard before. And so we're going to uh, have a little word here uh, from our sponsors and everything else, like, like you just heard. And we'll be right back with uh, Noel Monk talking about his book, Running with the Devil.
All right. So now joining us for the show is legendary manager Noel Monk for the Mighty Van Halen from 1978 to 1985, who's written a book called Running with the Devil, a backstage pass to the wild times, loud rock, and the down and dirty truth behind the making of Van Halen. Noel, we are so happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. How is it in Texas? Oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, the heat is uh, is uh, <laughs> is uh, almost unbearable. But uh, you you've passed through these parts many times, I'm sure. Texas is a great place. Probably one of our best fan bases outside of Florida. You guys kick ass. Uh, such a great stronghold for rock and roll in Texas, especially in Dallas. Uh, what are some of your memories of some of the, some of the Van Halen shows that you remember during during that time? Oh, incredibly beautiful girls. Uh, uh, the fans were, oh, I mean, just screaming crazy. <laughs> well, you, well, you know what, what they say about everything being bigger in Texas, of course. <laughs> Well, more beautiful. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I no, I can't tell you how much I, I enjoyed uh, your book, Running with the Devil. Um, it, it provides so much great insight, not just into specifically Van Halen, but into the inner workings of the music business, uh, and kind of really pulls back the curtain in a really informative light. Um, when you set out to write this book, what were, what were some of your personal goals? That's a good question. I really wrote it pretty much over a 10 or 15 year period. I wrote stories. And uh, I wanted to set the record straight. I had read so many um, things and heard so much um, misconceptions about what went on that it was time to straighten it out. And and so and I really feel like that that there's a lot of things that for me cleared up quite a bit too. Now, no, I'll have to disclaim here that if there is some type of hierarchy of the world's biggest Van Halen fan, uh, I'm somewhere in the running there. <laughs> uh, so I, I, Van Halen is a band that I have followed my entire my entire life. And uh, did it, you get to see any of the shows in Texas? Well, I uh, unfortunately I know that the one fact is that the last American performance of the original run with David Lee Roth was actually at the Three Nights at Reunion Arena. And I was too young to have have seen that, unfortunately. Uh, you I should have had your mom bring you. <laughs> <laughs> but my first concert was ever was just a year later was David uh, was David Lee Roth's Eat 'Em and Smile tour in '86. Yeah, that had nothing to do with Van Halen. Right, right. But I just I eventually did get to see it, uh, and it was my first taste of rock and roll. But but yeah, I should have had uh, my mom or somebody. <laughs> what do you remember about those lat those the, that three night stand there at the at Reunion Arena in Dallas? What year are you talking about? That would have been 1984, um, and this was also something very specific because 
on the second night of that tour was the day that Eddie came, went over to Texas Stadium to join Michael Jackson for the only perfor- live performance of, of Beat It. Uh huh. Okay. Um, what do I remember about it? It like, was an exciting yeah. show, as all our shows were. The one thing about Van Halen, uh, regardless of what went on backstage, they never messed up on stage, um, except the US Festival. And you pay <laughs> us too much money, and we'll screw up. I definitely have some questions about the US Festival, uh, for sure. The reason why I mentioned those shows, not just because of me being in Dallas, but again, they were the last American performances uh, with uh, David Lee Roth during the original run. Did well, you... I would have been the last performances of, of Van Halen. Right. Because after that, it was without Eddie or David, it was no longer Van Halen. You will get no argument from me there. <laughs> um, okay. So now, now talking about let's let's kind of start from the beginning just for a second though. Okay, one of the one of the, my favorite parts about the book, and again, I want people to really check this book out. And I don't want to give too much away, but there's this really great passage about that first meeting uh, that you guys had with the band and. And, you know, there's these four young guys who are running across town. The car breaks down and really trying to make this meeting. What was your first impression of specifically of David Lee Ross and Eddie Van Halen that day at the diner? Well, that was a strange day because, um, as I said in my book, they were about half hour late, and that surprised all of us. We were meeting at a restaurant in in Burbank, and it it turned out we thought they had just kind of been rock and rollers, but actually their car broke down. Right. And they they were as mellow and calm as you could be. They hardly said a word, <laughs> uh, and that was the last time that happened. <laughs> But isn't it such an amazing thing to think about that, that what a what a slice of not only music history but just American history that you were at the very apex of right there that day? Well, you got to remember I had just done the Sex Pistol tour, right? So it was kind of both ends of the spectrum. You know, they're both seminal bands. And even though they're in totally different genres, um, I don't know. Did you ever read my book, 12 Days on the Road? Uh, I, Pistols I, in America? I did. Uh, and it was unbelievably fantastic. And it's something else that I was uh, I would love to talk about uh, separately uh, as well as because I had, had a lot of questions about that too. Okay, we can do that. And and because I, I really knew that you had the pedigree to kind of take over at least as a tour manager because you again is is you survived uh, the Sex Pistols and even have the T-shirt to prove it, right? <laughs> yeah, but also I'd been in the business for over twenty years and right. 
I started out working for Bill Graham, and we did about every band back in the 70s and 60s, really. And, uh, and then on Woodstock. So there wasn't much I didn't know about the business except when it came to uh, the inner workings of the record companies. And that that surprised me to a certain extent. Um, when you're almost at the top rung uh, in the business, uh, which would be production tour managing, when you get to managing, you really get to see the inside of the workings of the record company. And that was something I wanted to not expose, but explain to the fans. Because frankly, sure. Van Halen had the best fans in the world, and they still are. Uh, again, you'll get an argument from from that for me as well, because I count myself among them. I also know um, is that my background is also in the music industry as well. I, I have spent time as as a tour manager, and have even have managed a few bands as well. And and so for me, who did really you tour manage, Roy? Uh, there was uh, there's a band for, at a, outside of Philadelphia called Ween, and they have um, their drummer is a guy named Claude Coleman Jr. who's in a myriad of different bands, and I spent many of years on the road with him. Uh, and then the same thing goes for a band outside of Baltimore called Clutch, and they had a side band that I worked with. Nothing really big, nothing like major, major leagues, but, but certainly I definitely have put in the miles, so I, I could relate to what you were saying, you know? Yeah, I could understand that. When you're on the road, you get a feeling of what it's like. Yes. It's not an easy way to go, <laughs> uh, especially that first year with eight or nine months, pretty much with a day off, every 10 or 15 days, uh, it wears you out. Yes. But it, to me, it was, I loved being a road rat. It's really, we're really our own breed, aren't we? Because it's uh, either either it's in your blood or it's not. And, and you will quickly learn that, uh, whether, you know, it's for you or not, uh, pretty much that first week. And so I, that's why I really enjoy the book so much, too, was because, um, you know, outsiders there's really not you know a lot about it there's really not you know, to an outsider it seems very glamorous and you really broke it down in a very uh layman's but yet uh very you know explicit way that would speak to not only people who've never been on the road but certainly for people like me who have you know well yeah and again that's why i wrote the book i wrote it to show what backstage is like, what it's like getting ready for a show. Uh, yeah. I mean, the book is very explicit on, you know, how you feel when you enter that building. And when you step out of a limo after you stepped out of a rent-a-car the year before, uh, it's a very heady feeling. 
and just kind of watching it kind of, you know, grow and grow and grow to being this thing that transcends just music. It's a part, part of the fabric of the culture now. Now, there well, are, you had to make it grow. It just doesn't grow on its own. For for sure, and you being you know at the at the being the engine there. That's what's really amazing to me is that it's it's so crazy to think that besides those four guys in the band, there was somebody else that was there for every day of it, and that person is you. It's amazing to me. What do you mean? Well, I mean you you don't. People don't really think about it like that. They don't. They don't think that. They think, of course, it is David Lee Roth is the Van Halen brothers and Michael Anthony, but it may not occur to them that there was somebody else that was there for every day for all of it, not just you know time on the stage and doing interviews. There was somebody that was there that had to basically again this this job is your life. There's no separation from it. You say so in the book as well. So, oh, absolutely, is, because you can't separate uh, working. I mean, you can't get go home and get your tooth fixed. Uh, you can't leave for a day. Right. You know, and um, you would get sick on the road. Well, you had to put up with it. That's right. Uh, the road was the road was a pretty enticing thing, but it was also something that you could not leave for even a day. And as a manager, you know, you're even sucked in more into 24-7. That's right. In taking care of every day's really mounting experiences. And you couldn't, again, just take a vacation. We never took a vacation. And so that's that's my point right there. But, but also to your credit, though, Noel, is that, there's, I mean, is there really anybody out there that that worked with again Bill Graham? You worked at the Fillmore East. You witnessed all that history with Janice and and Hendrix, and you were at Woodstock. I mean, you saw Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner with your own eyes and ears. Then you were one of the few people that saw the ill-fated <laughs> Sex Pistols tour, and then. You were there it from... wasn't really ill-fated because the object of that tour was to get through that tour. Right, we right. We didn't miss a day. We didn't miss a show. Um, that's a good part of what I wanted to bring out in the book. Right. It wasn't ill-fated. It happened. And it actually gave you an insider's picture to what was, again, the only Sex Pistols, because you had my friend Sid. Yep. So it was successful as far as I was concerned. Well, but what I mean is that what you witnessed. I mean, when you combined all of these experiences, and, you know, when the 70s became the 80s, uh, and then Van Halen became the biggest band in the world, uh, I mean, you weren't just along for the ride. You were, you were the ride. You know what I mean? You were, uh, you know. So that that that's such an amazing life and such an amazing amount to see in one lifetime. And it made it's made for a, a hell of a couple of books, my friend. Um, well, again, going back to '68, 
pouring Southern comfort for Janis Joplin <laughs> on stage, and she was a friend. Right. You know, and the Grateful Dead were great friends. The Doors and the Airplane and all these bands you got to see right there in your face. And you were working with them. So, yes, it wasn't on the road, but, again, it was a backstage scene. For sure. As well as an onstage scene. But you say something in the book that, that, that I really enjoyed. and You said that in spite of all of that and, uh, you know, in, with great respect to all of that, you had never seen anything like Van Halen. Uh, yes, that's absolutely true. Um, so but I did explain that um, they were a stage band and they, I mean, that first record was wall-to-wall hits. Yes. Can you name me one song you didn't like on that album? Yeah, you can't. It's it's a perfect you record. You can't. It's a perfect and record. And that's what every band is trying to get. They try and get one or two brilliant yeah. cuts. But VH1, every cut was brilliant. Yeah, every single one of them. I mean, like, and it still holds up so well. I'm I'm glad what you said that when you hear the song Running With The Devil on the radio now, it it's... It allows you to have a certain feeling now. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, after a couple of years, the rough spot that we ended on disappeared. And yeah. I would listen and be proud of what I made. Uh, and I say that with all due respect, because whether it was changing their record contract, booking every tour, um, really, as you said, being with them 24-7 made me a fifth member. And I'm not doing that for ego-wise, but, but when you with them every day, um, you're, you're a part of them. And so listening them to on the radio... It would jazz me up. It would make me feel, wow, what a great time we had. And and you deserve that, Noel, because, I mean, you put in the miles, my friend. You were there for it. You, you know, uh, steered and guided. I mean, you had an impossible task uh, and basically made the impossible possible. And, and, And we're all better for it, sir. So bless you for that. Well, thank you. Now, Speaking of some other great times back then, uh, when you think about like things in particular, uh, I'd like just for a second we'll get to, we'll definitely get to the arts festival, but there's one thing I really want I wanted to talk about that was kind of personal to me is what <laughs> uh, is the MTV Lost Weekend with Van Halen? Now I just wanted to tell you something very briefly. There's a picture of me that we that will be on our website that I'm going to share uh, when this airs. And it's a picture of me. I would have been too young anyway, um, but I didn't know this at the time. But I, I'm filling out as many 
postcard as I can. <laughs> it was my life's goal, Noel, and ambition to win this contest. It was I would run home every single day and fill out more cards. Uh, and, of course, I was too young. I mean, if I had won, I probably would have been disqualified because I think I was like 9 or 10. But uh, So that holds a big part in my my memory and my history with the band. Talk a little bit about that. What do you remember about about that contest and that that whole that whole situation? Well, it's kind of funny because MTV had done contests like that before. And we made it a special event. But at the end of it, MTV gave us all platinum postcards, uh, which meant we had more than a million uh, postcards sent in. Maybe half of them were yours. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have an idea that that you know you had a big part in us getting that. Uh, but yeah, there was a tremendous, tremendous desire to be that close to the band, and it always amazed me because living with the band, uh, a lot of people write about them. But they never even saw them or spent a day with them. Right. And how do you really get to anything that is bottom line reality? How can you write about something you don't live? Right. And that's you have to another live reason I wrote the book. There were so many people. There when 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 my book came out, I knew there would be a whole bunch of other books coming out, but nobody from the inner circle. And I consider that the five of us. You know, David wrote his book. It was okay. <laughs> Eddie, I don't think, could could write a book. Al would have to sober up for a day. Uh, and, you know... Michael is a really good bass player, nice guy, but not a writer. You know, right. and no one knew all the things that went on. Even the band had no conception of what was going on behind the scenes at the record company, say. So, anyhow. But no, don't you marvel at, at that as well? I mean, I, I know it might be difficult for you since you're you're on the inside, but this has got to be the most undocumented band, or just the most undocumented uh, of the most popular bands. I mean, most bands are just so overdocumented to the point where it's just ridiculous. There is still all these years later. So much about Van Halen that people do not know. And thanks to your book, now, just now, people are finally getting, being able to kind of, you know, connect the dots a little bit. Why, why, do, you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that Van Halen is, has to be the most undocumented band in history? Real simple. We like mystery. You know, when... Right. Uh, when Eddie had that paternity suit, 
And then David came to me and said, you know, Noel, I, I've got to get some paternity insurance. I said, <laughs> David, you know, I'm not sure we can get that. But he said, oh, you can do it. You can do it. And so I called up all the agents. And finally I got to um, Lloyd's of London. And they said, what, are you kidding a million dollars in paternity insurance for David Roth. Uh, I don't think we'll take that. So <laughs> nobody took it. And I looked at David and said, I'm sorry, David. Not going to happen. He said, well, let's get Steve Mandel, who was our brilliant publicist, who was in-house. He was in the offices. He lived there. Uh, put it out that we got... Insurance for David. Well, that took off. We never stopped it. It was a great story. But so many people right now, uh, Roy, if you were to Google David's paternity insurance, you would get a plethora of information (laughs) about his getting it. You know, and that's the kind of information... Uh, we left, you know, on right. the table. And that's the kind of stuff you're going to get from other writers because they still believe it. And the brown M&Ms, you know, there was no mystery. We were getting a problem with the promoters weren't reading our, our writer. So the road manager and I, well, David claims he did it doesn't matter who'd put it in. Right. But uh, if there were any brown M&Ms, they got charged $100 an M&M. So they had to read the contract. Right, right. And ironically, we changed that to Coney Island Whitefish. Do you know (laughs) what that is? I don't. What is that, Noel? Well... If you go on a Sunday morning to Coney Island and you are laying on the beach and uh, up floats a dozen used condoms (laughs) and they're all bubbly and stuff. And I, I saw one little girl bring it to her daddy and said, Daddy, would you blow up this balloon? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, but that's the Coney Island whitefish. And so at that point, I, the promoters did everything to try and figure it out. And finally they did. But we would have fun. And we kept it all behind the scenes and didn't tell anybody because when you tell things, you pop people's bubble. Uh, For sure. We like to have mystery. Anyhow, that, that, that I think, covers what you're well, asking. Holy cow, that was explosive. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah, awesome. I mean, he was there, dude. He was there for it. Unbelievable. Like, I mean, is it amazing? Because didn't is this something that you, a book that you thought we would ever actually get? I mean, it's been kind of our theme is how undocumented this exists now, and yeah. you just heard it from the man's mouth. What are your thoughts? 
Well, again, it's the, it's that unique perspective and, and the validation of a lot of the mystery and, and stories that, you know, that we kind of formulated our own opinions on all For these sure. years, you know, so it's, it's really vindication is kind of the, the word I would bring to mind. It, it like, uh, you know, brings to light all this stuff and makes it a lot more clear. It's absolutely kick ass. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. To, I, and, and you saw he's, uh, you know, kind of sick and tired of hearing about the U.S. Festival, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of my favorite parts. I mean, I mean, it was the party. It was a right. huge party. I mean, yeah, they got a little too drunk and blah blah blah. Right, right, and, uh, right. It was a disaster. But I, I mean, I love the U.S. Festival. I remember recording that on cassette. You know, yes. waiting oh, for yeah. them because they played it on the radio. Yeah, it was Brian's name on MTV that was interviewing him. Mark, Martha Goodman. Quinn, Mark Goodman, Mark, Mark Goodman, Mark Goodman. And, and, and that's you'll, right. As you'll hear, he heard in, in the interview right, yeah. that I, I mentioned it to Noah. I said, "Well, he did that interview with Mark Goodman," <laughs> and he was like, "No, he didn't." Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to call it that. You yeah, know, so that's, uh, my yeah. Point. yeah, he wanted. He was like, he was not. You know, you know, because because again, think about it from his perspective. Okay, he has brought this band from being those those four guys at the diner in '78 to the biggest band in the world. You couldn't get any bigger than Van Halen. One point five million. Yeah, yep. you couldn't. You wow, can't, record. Yeah, yeah, that's three. That's three times. Uh, you know Woodstock that he was at. So he he saw both with his own eyes, and for him to have his band up front and blow it like that. In front of that many people, and that's all anybody talks about. So I was trying not to be that guy, but you know, I ha- I had that. But as a fan, I love it. I don't, but, but no, no, will never be able to have that perspective because he's not the fan. That's right. right. Exactly, it's a business to him, and yeah. his proud conquering achievement. You know, that was a probably embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. no, I can understand that. I can understand that. But God, I loved it. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's part. It's part of the folklore. It's yeah. part. It's part of. It's part of the the team, man. Yeah. It's, it's our game. Yeah, I know we're not going to talk about it a lot, but. The thing that makes, I mean, of course it was a disaster. All you had to do was have eyes. And hear <laughs> um, but being that it was a disaster as a fan, it was such a disaster that it's so legendary and epic. There you go. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I think it's entropy, though. And we talked about that a little bit, too, is that at that point, that was going to happen somehow, somewhere. And how, how the fact that it happened there, and you heard me say the interview, is On the biggest stage. Perfect. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Fitting. But it had to happen before. I mean, it, it probably yeah, happened, but not documented. Yeah. But not on that level. Well, that's what not I asked, on that stage. That's what I asked Noel, and I was like, did it ever happen before? And that's when he was like, look, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's Remember the good times. Here. Right, right. So, anyway, so, guys, and that's, guys, that's just part one. I can't wait for next week uh, when we bring you part two. Uh, again, uh, with Noel Monk, uh, the legendary manager for Van Halen, who's written a book called Running with the Devil, a backstage pass of the wild times, loud rock, and down and dirty truth behind the making of Van Halen. It's on HarperCollins' Day Street uh, imprint there. I mean, and, I mean, guys, should they totally go out and get this freaking book, oh, yeah. or what? Absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised that everyone on the planet doesn't own it. I know, yeah. or any Van Halen Every fan Van Halen will. Fan, yeah. For sure. For sure. Because, well, this think, will make fans of you if you're not already. Well, yeah. also, the thing about that, too, is that, like I said, this is what you've been waiting for. Like I said, Greg did a fantastic job, kind of, you know, and, and a very, brought a very academic aspect. But this is boots on the ground right here. So I can't wait to bring you that till next week. Okay. So for one last time, for my guest, Noel Monk, and then for my man, Chaz Knight. Yeah. Yeah, baby. And then my man... Uh, Steve Emerson, thank you guys both so much for your insight. Had a good time. 
And so again, where and so Chaz, they can they can find you on Facebook at the uh, or Red Leather Rocks. Yeah, if you search Red Leather, you'll find me. I'm okay. you know I'm I'm the singer. Got it. just look for me on Facebook. It's if you type in Steve Emerson, I pop up number one on most searches. So fantastic. That's okay, right. the one and only. And I'm your host again, Roy Turner. You can find us on tri- on uh, Twitter and Tricky Kid the number two Facebook, and of course subscribe to our show. Uh, on pot on uh, excuse me on iTunes and we're on all the podcast platforms there. So again, I thank you gentlemen for joining us Thanks and we me. will see you next week. Van Halen. Ah! We should have went hello. <laughs>